Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. It's that time of year again when fourth-year medical students are deciding where they will do residency, while senior residents and fellows are starting to sign contracts to begin their new lives as attending physicians. We're going to do several shows over the next few weeks to months to help educate physicians on things that they need to know to make these transitions a little bit easier. One of the very first steps to venturing into that next phase of your life is going to be finding that perfect job, comparing contrasting contracts, and figuring out which job that you want to take. And so I've invited back one of my very favorite guests, John Avino. He is the owner of Contract Diagnostics, and you've probably heard his podcast, Coffee Contracts with John. Hey, John, welcome back to the show. I'm honored to be with you again. I love these shows. <laughs> They're so fun. This is a good time to be talking about these are the steps as far as when people interview and getting letters and getting contracts. And then after they sign a contract, you know, how do they decide where they live and do they buy a home and what kind of insurance do they buy? And there's all kinds of decisions that families and physicians make over the next coming months. So a very, very important time, as you know. Absolutely. Well, I know we've kind of talked about different aspects of reviewing contracts. We've talked about compensation a little bit. I thought today maybe we could talk about what if you find two great opportunities? How are you going to compare and contrast different contracts? Because I'm sure they're going to be written in different language, maybe even have different compensation models that you have to compare. I think that's a great question. And we always encourage everybody to go and get a couple different options, have multiple offers. I think it's good if you've got a backup, if one doesn't work out, if somebody won't change something or if the structure doesn't make sense, or if you just don't have the happy-go-lucky feeling with one employer, I think it's always good to have multiple offers. I also encourage physicians just to go interview, even if they're not excited about a position, interviewing is a skill and it's not one that anybody does all that often. And so if a physician hasn't interviewed for years since they went through the residency rotation, which is a much different interview process than a mm. normal job, I encourage people to go get practice runs, do practice interviews, see what the market bears for your craft in a certain area. So that's first and foremost. Now, your question on how do we compare to offer? I think the first thing that the physician should do is figure out what their frame is. You know, do they want to find a job for one or two years and move on? Do they want to be somewhere for a long term? Because I think the story matters when you're interviewing, how long the job's been open, will you be happy, is it a good place to raise your family? It matters if you've got a spouse that's finishing a fellowship and you know, you'll need to be moving in a year or two. And I think all those things play into comparing and contrasting an offer. An example would be if you... If your tail insurance vests over five years, let's say, okay, mm-hmm. so about practice insurance, you need to buy tail insurance, it can cost $4,000 to $190,000. And if your tail insurance vests over five years, or maybe you know, there's a steady plan that invests over five or seven years, or maybe you don't have tail insurance, but you are planning on leaving that job to go somewhere else for your spouse. Or because, you know, I just want to work, it's good money, I want to pay off my student loans, and I'm going to move to the market that I'd rather be in. Maybe there's no job in San Diego, and so you'll take a job in Iowa this year, knowing that you want to move to San Diego next year. 
Well, if kale insurance isn't covered or if it invests over a certain time period and you're going to be out of pocket $60,000 for tail insurance, you need to take that into account when it comes to managing the financial perspective of the contract. So I say all that because how do you compare and contrast two offers? It just depends on lots of different parts of the contract. For example, if somebody's offered $400,000 a year as a radiologist and another offer is $420,000 per year, so a $20,000 difference is the 420,001 better. Well, it's better financially this year, but if you've got to buy your tail insurance and if your tail insurance costs you $32,000, now it's not a great offer. And what about the 401k and what about the time off and what about the workload? So all those things matter when it comes to evaluating offers and kind of comparing and contrasting. So I think when a lot of people say, how do you compare two offers? They look at financially and so. I want to just make it clear that it's not all about this one pays 420, this one pays 400 or 150 and 170 or 500 and 600. It's about so many other things. If you'd like, you can kind of go into, you know, one of the other things that you should make sure you compare with different offers. Absolutely. Beyond yeah. kind of figuring out the story in the beginning, where else would you recommend yeah. that someone start? Well, I think once they figure out what they want to do, I think, you know, obviously, we kind of say contracts have different buckets. There's a, a compensation bucket. There's like a risk bucket, if you will, and the benefit bucket. And then there's the expectations with your schedule and your time. So if we look at compensation, obviously we can just compare and contrast flat salaries. If you're a hospitalist and you get paid, you know, $1,650 per shift at this place and $1,732 at one place, that's easy to say which one's better. If there's a bonus structure in place that makes it a little more difficult. There's a night shift differential. You don't know if you'll do nights if you won't. And so you don't know if that's applicable or not. But we can compare signing bonuses. This is 20,000. This is 30,000. Make sure that when they're doing those things from a financial perspective, they look at the timeline. So if you have a signing bonus that is repaid over three years, meaning after three years, you don't have any to pay back. And one might be less, but only be two years. That might be better if you think you might leave. Or maybe you could ask for more and extend it to three years. So maybe you've got three years for 30,000 at one offer, or you've got 20,000 for two years at one offer. Maybe you could negotiate the 20,000 one to 30,000 if you're willing to stay somewhere for three years. So that's an easy way to kind of play some of the financials, but the bonus structures can be so, you know, hit and miss. I know we've talked about lots of ways that positions can bonus in the past. We've got some coffee and contract episodes on that as well. But I think from a financial perspective, the salary, the signing bonus, if relocation is involved, and then obviously the bonus structure. If we're looking at some of the risk pieces as far as how to compare, now the main ones, malpractice insurance. I'm assuming you have a policy. Is tail covered or is it not? That's super important. If it's yes for one, no for another. Again, your tail insurance could be super inexpensive depending on crap, or it could be super expensive depending on your specialty. So it's important to understand what tail insurance costs. That's something that you could ask the employer or you could just call the malpractice insurance broker and ask them what's typical tail rates for somebody who leaves after one or two or three years of a policy. Most common, the claims policies mature over five years. So the cost for tail typically goes up every year until the fifth year. And then it's what's called the mature policy. So it kind of flattens out at that point in most situations. So from a risk perspective, tail is kind of in that first bucket. The other thing is termination. Can you quit? How can you quit? Can they let you go? Again, if you can't leave a contract for two years, I one, because there is no cause termination, or maybe the employer has one, but the physician doesn't, and one contract has a no cause termination, 
it's nice to know that you can just leave your job if you don't like it or if the schedule is not ideal or if somebody offers you a better situation or if you have a life event that needs you to step away. You know, again, that might be worth sacrificing 20000 of salary if you're comparing two offers in similar areas. So termination is one of the risk points. Restrictive covenants is another one. Maybe one offer doesn't have one, one offer does, or one offer has one that's 20 miles, one is five miles. Again, if it's in the same market, if you're talking 10 miles in Chicago or 20 miles in North Dakota, they're much different, right? That's um, true. You know, 10 miles in Chicago is a very big non-compete. 20 miles in North Dakota just covers the town next door, yeah. or, you know, it's bad. So it might be a little different as far as comparing and contrasting non-competes, but make sure that you look at the differences in non-compete because that's a risk score as well. And if, again, the job's not ideal, if you want to leave, maybe that is something you want to take into account. But again, getting back to the story of a physician, if they're in Texas and they're moving to Arizona, the non-compete's irrelevant so long as it's tied to that particular market and that employer. You know, it's not any facility that they have and they have two of them in Arizona. So from a risk perspective, they could compare, like we said, they could compare the tail insurance, they could compare restrictive covenants, they could compare terminations. And the other thing that we want them to compare is obviously the workload. So we say all the time that you trade time for money. And so if you've got money on the table and that's how you're comparing, you obviously need to compare the time. So if you're looking at, if I'm a surgeon, I get paid 400,000 at one job and 400,000 at another, but one has call that's Q3 and another one has call that's Q8, it's easy to see which one's better. But if I get paid 500,000 at one and 450,000 at the other, and the one for 500,000 maybe is Q3 call and the one that's 450,000 is Q6 call. So it's taking twice the amount of call worth $50,000. Maybe the answer is yes, maybe the answer is no. So again, if not just looking at one's better financially or not, it's about looking at the actual job description how detailed is call, because that's important. And as we talked in previous episodes, call's not detailed and it's just equal that if your colleagues leave, you might have to take more calls. So, you know, it's all looking at those risk perspectives that play a role as well. So your schedule, the time commitment, what the job's going to deliver in terms of satisfaction is also something to compare, but time for money and then risk are the things that I think this should look at. And then of course, benefits, because if one is offering to cover all of your expenses and your CME and one's not, if one offers six weeks of vacation and one offers four weeks, if one has a 401k that you get matched on and that match is $10,000 and the other one doesn't, and you are planning a long-term career, that $10,000 matched by the employer stacks quite a bit over time. I know financial residency knows that. And so, you know, as that $10,000 not in another offer that you have, maybe the salary is 10,000 more but we're talking an employer match to a retirement account. So that $10,000 might be significant by the end of your contract or more at the end of your career. So having something like an employer matched retirement account could also be very, very important on things to compare. When you're working with someone who's trying to decide between two or three jobs, do you go through this systematically? I mean, do you have like a form where you kind of look at compensation and then you look at benefits and you look at the risk or is it more gestalt? How do you? Can I help someone yeah. delve through this? Because no, so it seems it's, like there's so many aspects to look at. Yeah, it's a great question. And we have many physicians who do multiple contract reviews. You know, some will say, look, I've got three offers, but this is my main one. I'm just going to have this one review, which is fine. But then when we're on the phone with them and they say, well, but my, I have another offer that's 50,000 more. We don't have the details to compare. 
But I think it's good that the physician does so they can go to the employer. Look, I have another offer at 50000 more, even if it means doing a lot more work, even if it means, you know, not having a bonus, even if I think that's a good thing that the physician can have is that other offer. But yeah, when we do have physicians with two offers or three offers on the table, we help them review all of them. We definitely are able to look at the nuances with each one. This one has details on this. This one does not. This one has a higher salary. This one does not. Depending on which package you have with us about contract diagnostics, one of them comes with like a two-page kind of summary of the deal. And so you can kind of compare and contrast those sheets on your own. And then we can do it on the phone with the physician as well. Again, we always want to know if the physician is going to be there for two years or for three years. And of course, what their goals are. If their goal is to make a ton of money and pay off their student loan debt earlier, we might lead them toward a different position, a certain position that they've sent us. If their goal is to, you know, not work too terribly hard, you know, they don't have any student loan, if they want to get down to part-time in two years, we might lead them to a different position. So it all depends on the physician's story. If they say, my goal is to make the most amount of money in the next five years. Okay. Now we have that frame. We can lead them in that, in our messaging on which one makes the most sense. If their goal is, look, I'm so worried about working too much and burning out early. Okay. Now we've got the story of the employee. We've got the contract terms. We can lead them in which opportunity lines up better with their lifestyle choice. So yeah, we're definitely able to do that. And again, we encourage people to have multiple offers. Even if you just have one review, you don't want to spend the money on multiple offers to have reviewed. I do think it's important that all physicians have multiple offers. It's good to have a plan A and a plan B and everything else, I think. I know I had you on the show a few weeks back and we kind of talked about you volunteering basically to do kind of a speakers bureau type thing and go talk to residency programs. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? You know, how you can maybe talk to a whole group of residents at one time to talk about some of these yeah. issues face-to-face yeah. or on Zoom? Yeah, we absolutely. We love doing, you know, talks and we've done many, many live. We've done a lot of Zoom since the pandemic and people just haven't had people in as much and we're fine with either one. I think last week we had three alone. Wow. And so, you know, we're doing a lot of these talks. I want to say we have a bunch more coming up. This is kind of the time that people want to book us. So Anytime, you know, January, February, March is the time that is really good for talks because what pays us so much is when somebody attends our talk and they say, I wish I would have known this two months ago. And so, yeah, we encourage anybody to join one of our free lectures or contact you for information on how to get a hold of us as far as the speakers panel and everything else. But yeah, we love to give education out. One of the things that we do is go over how to evaluate the letter of intent, how to evaluate the contract, how to negotiate one offer. What if you have two offers? How do you respectfully with the two employers play them against each other? And we also talk in our presentation about timing, you know, as we've been talking about how to evaluate an offer. One of the challenging things can be if I have an offer today and I have a deadline two weeks from now and I have another interview set up and that interview set up for three weeks, how do I manage it, right? Because this one's due and I want to review this one as well. So how do I manage that timing. And that's something that we talk about as well as we go through our presentation, because that could be an art itself with how to keep one on the hook without being disrespectful to the other, how to move up things with the other employer without rushing too fast. And so we've got the tips and pointers that we can share with people as far as the verbiage to you, how to make sure that you're taking all the things into account with regards to respect with the employer, not leaving them on the hook, not potentially having an offer pull off the table, which we've seen in the past if someone's taken too long or misses a deadline. And so we've got some good ideas and tip people on how to balance the different offers as you are comparing them and contrasting them because that's super important as well. I know I'm always happy to kind of help put people in touch with each other. So people can always get in contact with me if they're wanting to 
you know, schedule a time with you, but is there a way that they can go directly to you or your website to get in touch? Yeah, contractdiagnostics.com. They can always find us there. You can just email info at contractdiagnostics.com. Jan will get that email and she'll reply to it and connect you with me and everything else. My email is john at contractdiagnostics.com, J-O-N. Probably get a quicker reply from Jan, but I do my best to keep up on all the communications and these types of inquiries. Anybody from financial residency with any questions for the podcast or any topics for you and I discuss, any talks that we can give to their program. Again, everything is educational based. It's non-promotional when we give our talks and present our questions. And so anybody that needs anything from the financial residency community, we always encourage people to reach out. We love helping out everybody in FR. It's been fun to take questions and do the podcast. Well, John, I hope you'll join me again, you know, over the next few weeks and just kind of touch on some of these things that the new fellows and senior residents are getting ready to come across in their, you know, venture into that new professional life. Yeah, I think there's so much that we could talk about from, you know, the signing of the contract and even after like what happens, you know. So I know you've got a lot of great content coming up. We could maybe tell some interesting stories on transitions between physicians from residency to their first attending job. That might be a fun episode as well. But yeah, I can't wait till we do another one. I mean, they're always the highlight of my week. Thanks, John. And thanks to everyone who's listening today. I hope you'll join us again next week for Grand Rounds. 